0: to chapel we are very grateful to have you all here this morning with us today i don't know why i said that okay um let's run on sentences we are ex- excited especially for the plts student delegation who are with us today on campus welcome to campus we're grateful for drew stever who is going to be preaching for us today and continuing in the theme of limitless and also Excited to hear Maya Fleming, who will be singing for us this morning. There's one. Gracious and transcendent God, creator of divine in between places, you have blessed us with sunsets, twilight hours, and the dawn. You meet us in the border lines, borderlands, in marshes, in doorways, and between here and where we want to be. How are you who permeates through binary places? Envelop us in your limitless grace and mercy as we navigate the in-between times on our journeys. Amen. Amen.
1: Today's reading comes from the Acts of Apostles, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, And whom may I ask you? Does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on to his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God.
0: Morning. I want to thank the campus ministry staff for inviting me to preach for you all this morning it's an honor to be with you today as we gather to remember the lives of transgender members of our community that have died or been killed so when I first read the story for today I thought I don't think this story should be happening the way that it's happening By societal standards of their time, it doesn't make sense that the two characters in this story spent any time together. First, you have Philip. Philip was a Hellenist Jew who followed the disciples of Jesus. He was a man described of having good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom. He and a handful of other Jews were chosen by their community to spread the word of God throughout Jerusalem. Philip was what you might call successful in his ministry, especially amongst people who had spotty histories with Jews like Philip. Philip was this charismatic, effective evangelist of the gospel, no matter the context or the audience. One person, in particular, was the eunuch. After he was instructed by the angel of the Lord to travel south, Philip runs into the eunuch at some point along his journey. So, if you don't know, a eunuch is someone, a man, who has been castrated. Oftentimes, because they no longer had the ability to procreate, therefore posing no threat to the throne, eunuchs were often given high-status roles to serve the women of royal courts. The word transgender was not in the vocabulary of the authors in the time this story was written. But when the organs that produce hormones in your body are removed, your body starts to begin to look neither male or female. So as readers today, we can probably say at most this person appeared gender ambiguous, gender fluid, gender nonconforming. conforming I think it's interesting also to point out that the eunuch in this story does not get named but we do get their credentials. They're very fancy. They're a eunuch from Ethiopia. Not only that, the eunuch is a court official of the queen of Ethiopia in charge of her entire treasury. And for some reason unknown to us, the eunuch has traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem and has gone to a temple to worship. The eunuch traveled over 2,500 miles by chariot That's about the distance between here in Thousand Oaks to Washington, D.C. Google Maps, amazing, told me that it would take about 30 to 40 days to travel from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. So these pieces of information are important to know because eunuchs in this time were both widely respected and widely excluded from many parts of their cultures. In one place, they were excluded from were places of worship. So why is it this eunuch would travel over 2,500 miles to a temple in Jerusalem to worship a God we aren't even sure they believe in, only to be asked to leave? Around this time three years ago, I came out as transgender. A few months after I came out, I asked my pastor if I could be baptized again. I was baptized once as an infant, don't remember it, heard it was great, with my old name. But I wanted to be baptized with my new name. When I asked to be baptized again, I was feeling like I wanted to have nothing more to do with my old self and wanted to mark this coming into my new self. My pastor is a great pastor. She's the kind that you can hang with at a Lizzo concert or Rolling Stones concert and not have it be weird. And you can still talk about Jesus issues, all at the same time. So I thought that when I asked to be baptized again, she would say yes. You know what she said? She said no. And honestly, I was shocked and a little bit hurt, because I had made this huge journey and reached this pivotal conclusion, only to be what felt like being turned away. This week, there are communities around the world gathering to honor and say out loud the names of transgender people who have been killed. In this year alone, there have been over 300 trans people killed worldwide. There have been 24 in the United States. 22 of them have been black transgender women. Hearing that, it's a wonder why any of us come out and make our identities public when all we seem to hear these days are just more of us being killed, kicked out of homes, kicked out of churches, kicked out of workplaces, or assaulted. Let me just say that for someone who lived over two decades never feeling at home in my body, the second I realized that I was trans, the second I realized what my true self was, I felt like someone had literally breathed life into me. I had spent years knowing and loving multiple trans people, but had never come to that conclusion for myself yet, yet. So I woke up one July morning after my birthday sometime with what felt like a sudden but gentle invitation that said that I did not have to live my life angry about who I was. Someone or something bigger than myself was telling me that I did not have to live my life uncomfortable And in that moment, I hadn't realized how dead I was feeling, how trapped I was feeling, until I was feeling very much alive and more free. The second I had a glimpse of what freedom could look like, I sprinted toward it. I wanted to do as many things to mark this freedom that I could. I came out to my family, I came out on social media, I started taking hormones to help me look more masculine, I went to court to change my name, got a new driver's license, which is a pain. I bought new clothes. I got top surgery. As soon as I realized who I was, I set out on this journey to get all the freedom that I could get. When I read this story, I had some questions. Why did the eunuch leave their post in Ethiopia and travel for over 30 days without Netflix to a temple In Jerusalem, if they knew they were not allowed in, why was the eunuch not satisfied with their status as a court official of the queen? Why was the eunuch reading scripture? If they didn't understand it, who had even told them about scripture? Why did the eunuch invite Philip, a follower of Jesus, a Jew, someone they should not be talking to, to come up into their chariot and sit with them? As someone who has been a human for a while, and someone who works very closely with other humans, I can say that I know loneliness when I see it. I know desperation when I see it. After I read all the details of the eunuch's part in the story, the status they had, the miles they traveled, the temple they went to only to probably be, probably be rejected, the scripture they were reading, and the And trying to understand, I wondered, is this person a happy person? All the signs were pointing to no. Happy people I know love their jobs, love their homes, love who they are as people. And they stay where they are because where they are reminds them of why they're happy. The first line in the story says that an angel of the Lord instructed Philip to go down this very particular road to Gaza. And I wonder if maybe God knew that the person Philip would encounter on his journey was not a happy person. I wonder if God knew how good Philip was at delivering the liberating message of the gospel, that God used Philip to not only sit with the eunuch, but to sit with them and talk with them in order that they might understand what they were reading. If you read the story, you might notice that there was no weird forced evangelism happening, but only the practice of good pastoral care. Something clicked for, I think, both the eunuch and Philip in this moment. We hear in the story that along their journey after they've talked about Jesus and resurrection and grace, the eunuch sees water and asks Philip, well, what stops me from being baptized? We hear no response from Philip other than that he stopped the chariot, got out with the eunuch, and baptized them. In other words, I think Philip, a Jesus follower who societally should not have been in the company of a eunuch, was hearing himself explain the gospel to the eunuch and in his own explanation was reminded that the gospel is not limited to any body. Therefore, baptism is not limited to any body. God is not limited to anybody. And the eunuch, in hearing the scripture explained to him, and this good news of Jesus, has what I think is an epiphany moment too. I think the eunuch learns the truth about themselves. And that is that they are more than just a servant to the queen. They are more than just a tool in a larger machine. They are more than the rules society has placed on them and their bodies. They are a creation of God. They are a life like every other life is seen by God and is blessed by God from before they even enter the world. And they see the water. They hear about Jesus and baptism, baptism and about dying to old ways of life and being born into new ways of life. And they see a glimpse of freedom. And they sprint toward it. When my pastor told me she wouldn't give me another baptism, she said no at first. But she realized how that might have come out to me, a freshly out trans person and she immediately followed up with an explanation. She went on to explain that it is not, it is that one baptism that establishes us as God's good creation and lasts our entire lives. It is that one baptism that covers us in all evolutions of ourselves. Baptisms don't work like those punch cards where if you get 10, the 11th one gets you into heaven. No matter what name your parents gave you, no matter what name you change it to, what your employment status is, what sex you were assigned at birth, what sex you transition to, your race, your age, your geographical location, none of it matters when it is God claiming you as God's own in those waters. Baptisms are this ritual, marking an end to life of sin. And sin, I think, has been co-opted to be something exclusionary, especially for folks in the trans community. But I think sin can look like shame. It can look like inauthenticity. It can look like depression. It can look like isolation. Sin looks like anything that separates us from the love of God and the connection to our community. Baptisms, in a way, are saying that while we all die, death does not have the final say. In a way, they are pointing directly to our resurrections. So before we let the weight of all the trans people being killed get us down, let us remember that there are still many of us still fighting to keep the stories of those ancestors alive and to keep our own stories alive. While it is important to remember and to grieve the lives that have been lost to injustice and hate, I think it is also important to remember that Jesus was also killed by people who hated him. And, spoiler alert, he came back to life. We read the story of the eunuch and we see a lonely person, someone who might be feeling spiritually dead. But we know, trans people know, this community knows that death does not have the final say. Death cannot stamp out an entire demographic of people. Death does not end our stories. Because the moment we realize our truths and the freedom that comes with that, we begin sprinting toward it. And a lot of times freedom can be found in stories that maybe should not have happened. Nurturing God, we lift up the lives of the gender expansive trailblazers, especially Ellen Hart, Weewa, Bruce Sullivan, and Christine Jorgensen. We grieve the losses of your beloved creations whose lives were ended by the hands of hatred and ignorance. We mourn especially Rita Hester, Blake Brockington, Venus Extravaganza,
1: and Brandon Tina. Like the eunuch meeting Philip,
0: You meet us in places we least expect and often question. Walk tenderly with us in our journeys so that we may one day know your peace.
1: Beloved creations of God, go from this place knowing that you are loved as you are, where you are, where you have been, and where you are going. Go from this place knowing that your truth was knit together long before you breathed your first breath. Your truth, as you live it, is holy. Go from this place knowing that, like the waters of baptism, your fluidity is holy. Now, please share a sign of God's peace with those all around you as we conclude our chapel service.